This is the FBCG Live Podcast with Pastor John K. Jenkins Sr. Today's message is entitled, Racism and Social Justice. Pastor Jenkins delivers a message on race relations in America. Wherever you're joining us from, we pray this message encourages and empowers you in your daily walk with God. Praise God. It's so good to see everybody. Thank you for joining joining us today. I'm honored and grateful for another day that the Lord has made. And I'm grateful for your presence and you being with us today. And like we do every week, we try to do every week, we want to spend a moment in prayer. And I want to challenge you today to just take a moment and continue to pray for the people that you know need the Lord Jesus. And matter of fact, while you're calling out the names of those people who you know need a change in their life, pray for our country. Pray for our communities. We want to see and believe God for a change in our culture and our community. So go ahead, let's take a moment and let's join together in prayer. Father, you're worthy to be praised. And humbly, we come before you, thanking you for your loving kindness and the multitude of your mercies, thanking you for the grace you've extended to us. Thank you for being a God that loves us and cares about us. And we come today giving you praise for every door you've opened, every prayer you've already answered, every victory you've already extended. We're praying today for your perfect will to be done in our lives. We're praying for your will to be accomplished in our life and in the lives of so many people that need you, Father. We're calling up the names of our loved ones and our co-workers and our relatives and our neighbors and our acquaintances who need you in their life. We hold them up before you, who need God, the deliverance that only you can provide in the name of the Lord Jesus. I thank you again, Father, for everything you've already done. We're praying for our country today. We're praying for the condition of these United States of America. But God, I pray for other countries too, all over this world. We pray, Father, that your truth would reign and your kingdom would come and that your will would be done on earth as you've already ordained it in heaven. We pray today, Father, that you would meet the needs of your sons and daughters, that you would uh, give the sons and daughters and your people around this world what they stand in the need of. And Father, I pray that you would forgive us of our sins. I acknowledge our transgressions. We confess our sins to you. And we pray today for your forgiveness in the name of the Lord. And then God, I pray that you put a shield around us today. Put a shield around this place as we declare your word. Put a shield around our families and our communities and let the name of the Lord Jesus be exalted. Let his kingdom come. Let his will be done. In the precious and mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. Praise Him. God bless you. Thank you all again for being with us today. I got some of my leaders here. I'm so glad. Hey, leaders, how y'all doing? So grateful for y'all to get up and and, uh, tune in and uh, join me virtually. I'm very grateful for every last one of you. And thank you 
for your presence. I'm interrupting the regularly scheduled series I'm in to bring you this very special message. I regret that I didn't interrupt last week's service to share this message. We'd already recorded last week's service and so much work that went into it. I didn't want to interrupt it, but I wish I had. I wish I had of done last Sunday what I'm doing today. I'll resume this home series that we were in in a few weeks. For the next several weeks, next couple of weeks, we have other things planned. Uh, so we'll pick that up later. I wanted to spend some time and address from a pastoral perspective the events of the past couple of weeks in our community and in our country. Let me begin by calling your attention to a passage of scripture that I want to read. It's Psalm 106. Psalm 106, and allow me to read for you verse number three. Psalm 106, verse three. And it says, Blessed are those who keep justice, and he who does righteousness at all times. Blessed are those who keep justice, and he who does righteousness at all times. There are two key words in this passage, justice and righteousness. As a matter of fact, they say this. It says, blessed are those if you do two things. One, keep justice, and number two, do righteousness. Keep justice, and then the scripture says, do righteousness at all times. These are two key words of this passage, and that's what I want to spend my time talking about today, about keeping justice and doing righteousness. The challenge we are facing today is that we have not kept justice, nor have we seen what is right. Our eyes have witnessed wrong. We have seen justice and righteousness thrown out the window like they didn't even matter. Let's first of all talk about the police, the po-po. I want to speak about the protest and the marching that has been going on, not just in Minnesota or Washington, but it's been going on around the world. The protesting and marching has been ignited by the death of George Floyd. But it must be mentioned that several other African Americans have lost their lives unjustly over decades. Trayvon Martin, Mike Brown, Freddie Gray, Terrence Crutcher, Ernie Gar er Eric Garner, Philando Castile, Brianna Taylor, Ar Ahmaud Aubrey, and the name goes on and on. The names can continue to go on and on and on, just to name a few. George Floyd is just the latest victim of what is not just and what is not right. If we named them all, the list would go on for pages upon pages upon pages. The unjust harm and death of African Americans have been going on for quite a while. This is not new to our communities. The difference now, though, is that cell phones allow us to see it. I, like many of you, watched the video of an African American man being arrested for passing, passing a counterfeit $20 bill. I want to know who determined that the bill was fake and called the police. I'm not sure. Matter of fact, I know I wouldn't be able to tell the difference between a real $20 bill and a fake $20 bill if in fact the bill was actually fake. I don't know how to determine if a bill is fake. Can you? Who determined that it was fake? Who called the police? Was it the person at the cash register? 
What did they think? That this man had a machine at his house turning out fake $20 bills? And they arrested him? I wonder if they would have treated a white person the same way. They arrested him and four police officers held him down, handcuffed him and restrained his movements until he died. I am persuaded that if four police officers haven't been trained enough to constrain somebody who was violently in opposition to being arrested. And by the way, I didn't see anything in the videotape that showed that he was resisting arrest. But if four police officers can't constrain them without choking him to death, they don't need to be police officers. They should have been fired. And the one who put his knee on the neck, on the neck of George Floyd, had 18, 16 to 18 complaints against his abuse of people over his 18-year career. He should have been fired. Held this man down and put his knee on his throat for nine minutes until the man died. Because they saw, they said he was trying to use a fake $20 bill. That's abuse. Did this man represent a threat to somebody? Was he trying to kill somebody? Did he pull out a gun? Was he tracking you down? Did he even threaten the police officers to the point that they choked him to death? This is not, this is a bad decision. And it's not righteousness. You see, the text says that we're supposed to keep justice and do righteousness. Allow me to take a moment and talk about what keeping justice means and what doing righteousness means. Keeping justice means the act of deciding or making correct decisions. This is the problem we have. People don't know how to make right decisions. I think it's a shame that these police officers couldn't determine and figure out what was appropriate response to how they handled George Floyd. And the problem is this is a problem that is going on in our country for quite a while. We're not making justice. We're not making just decisions. Go on and preach, Pastor. I'm doing the best that I can. That's what keeping justice means, making decisions based on what's holy, based on what's pure, based on what's right. That's what keeping justice means. And I'm somewhat troubled that there's some preachers, some televangelists, some pastors around this country, primarily of the Anglo uh, persuasion, who declare that social justice is not a part of the gospel. What Bible are you reading that you don't see that the scriptures are clearly discussing how the marginalized are treated and how they are not given the respect that they are due? What Bible are you reading? Not only does it say keep justice, it says do righteousness. Doing righteousness means doing what's right in the eyes of God. Doing righteousness means that we are doing the right thing at all times. Not only when we are being watched, but even when nobody can see us, we are doing the right things. We are making the right choices. These police officers did not make the right choice. It is this kind of behavior that has been ignored and tolerated. But the words of Popeye the sailor man come to me when Popeye said, I have taken all I can take and I can't take no more. Enough is enough. Much of this abuse has been done by those who are hired to protect, to protect the public, police officers. Sadly, very few of these police officers over time 
have ever been prosecuted for their wicked actions. This has been one of the serious problems in our country. Justice and righteousness has taken a back seat to cronyism and political correctness, but no more. Those days have come to an end. While 99% of police officers are wonderful public servants, a few have made decisions and have acted in ways that have made the masses of officers look bad. I want to salute those who have done their jobs in a fantastic manner and served the community in an excellent way. Help me give God praise for those officers who have done the right thing, made the right choices, protected the public, and have always done right in the eyes of God. Let's celebrate them. But to those who have abused the community and treated people unjustly, the days of that behavior going unpunished has come to an end. The call is out for our political leaders. I'm making a call to the political leaders of this country to enact laws that would not allow wicked police officers to get away with wicked behavior. In fact, the police should have police should be policed. The police should be policed and investigated by organizations that represent the community. Police can't investigate police actions. It's got to be people outside of that. In too many communities around this country, police officers have done wrong and not been punished for what they did. I am thankful that our present leaders in this community that we are in have not allowed that to be the continuing issue in this county of Prince George's County. I've spent a great deal of time this week in meeting with Zoom calls. I've been Zooming and Zooming and Zooming and I'm all Zoomed out. I've been on a lot of Zoom calls with Anglos dialoguing about the need for them to speak out about these atrocities. I'm a little burnt out that I have to spend so much time asking Anglos to speak up when you see wrong being done. Speak out about these acts that are wrong and sinful. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. wrote in his letter from a Birmingham jail in 1963, here's what he said, we will have to repent in this generation, not merely for the hateful words and actions of the bad people, but for the appalling silence of the good people. It's time for a change. The call for change does not end with just police officers. We have systematic racism in this country that we must work to change. We must, we must work to see that justice and righteousness is prevalent throughout our culture and society in every area. We must work to change the criminal justice system in this country. If you have enough money, you can escape the punishment of almost any crime. That must be changed. In this country, if you have enough money, you can get away with anything. Come on, OJ. Say amen, OJ. Many are in jail for crimes, yet many are in jail for crimes that they didn't, they didn't commit. Something's wrong with our criminal justice system. We have to work to change that. If you don't have enough money, you, you cannot always get proper representation. That's got to change. We must work to change the educational system. 
excellent qualities, excellent quality in our schools should not be should be available. I'm sorry to all students, not just the students accepted into the TAG program. We must work to eliminate housing conditions that are subpar. Go on and preach, Pastor. I'm doing the best that I can, and assist all of these those in our community to become homeowners, which is one of the ways to establish wealth and empower families to move out of poverty. We must work to eliminate redlining conditions in banking, which restricts people of color from obtaining loans for homes and businesses. We must help our young people get jobs and establish careers. The problem with all of these areas is that the established systems work to keep people of color out and away. And we must work together and smartly to change the system. And, but it must begin by examining ourselves. Let me speak, let me take a moment and speak to those who have peacefully protect, protested and marched. Let me salute them. I especially want to salute the young people who have marched and peacefully protected what they see and know to be unjust. I salute them who have gathered from around the world to say enough is enough. While I condemn those who have rioted and committed acts of violence and those who looted and destroyed property, your actions are selfish and unwelcome. Shame on you. We should never think that it is acceptable to destroy the store and businesses in our community. These businesses in our community provide food to our families. These businesses put clothes on the backs of our children and grandchildren. These businesses provide medicine to our elderly parents and grandparents. These businesses give us jobs. Shame on you for doing what is not right in the sight of God and is wrong in our eyes. Shame on you. And shame on those of you who joined in and went into the store and joined in the looting. Perhaps you didn't break the window or break into the, uh, the store. But if you went in after the business was broken into and took items, you are just as guilty. Shame on you. Your actions have contributed to some losing their jobs. Your acts have spoken to other, biz have spoken to other businesses to not invest in our community. Shame on you. I understand your frustration, young people, and your anger. But that anger must be channeled in another direction and not in doing violence, not in looting, not in the destruction of property. Let's channel that anger in the, uh, in the direction of facilitating change in our country and in our communities. Take that anger and recruit your friends to vote. Take that anger and we can flood the offices of ineffective political leaders with phone calls and letters. Take that voice of yours and let it be heard. And if you feel that the political leaders are ineffective, run against them and replace them. That's what you do. While I salute protesting, we must be clear that protesting alone does not change a culture. We must protest and also vote. We facilitate change by working the political system. We must learn how the system works, and then we must participate in the system. We must register to vote. We recruit, we gotta recruit and register people to vote. And yes, we must run for political office. We must be engaged in the political process 
so we can change unjust laws. Trayvon Martin's killer, George Zimmerman, was acquitted because the law said that if a person felt threatened, that, that he had a right to stand his ground. But what about Trayvon Martin, who was being harassed and followed by George Zimmerman? Didn't he have a right to defend himself? Ahmaud Arbery's killers are claiming that he attacked them. I suppose that if I had been followed by some white people with a gun and they aimed a gun at me, I suppose I would respond back as well to save my own life. These are the types of things that must be changed in our country. And we can change them. The call of God declares in Psalm 106 verse 3, Blessed are those who keep justice and he who does righteousness at all times. Blessed are those who keep justice. Hear that verse again. Blessed are those who keep justice. That means that they will stand for what's just regardless at all times, regardless of the color of the skin, regardless of the political affiliation, regardless of who they know and who their friends are. I'm appalled that it took Georgia prosecutors 74 days before arresting the three men who participated in the murder of Ahmaud Arbery. 74 days, over two months, two months to arrest two men and a third man who followed Ahmaud Arbery, blocked his exit, shot and killed this unarmed black man who simply went for a jog. They said he went into a house that was being built. He didn't take nothing from the house. Hold up. How many of y'all have went in the houses that were being built? What did he take? Did he take some plywood? Did he take some nails? What, what, what is it that caused him to be tracked down like a dog and killed? Y'all, excuse me, I feel a cussing spirit rising up in me right now when I think about it. I remember when my wife and I first moved into our community. When we first moved into the house that we live in now and have lived in, lived in for 20 years, when we first moved in, there was a brand new house being built next to us. And my wife came up with the brilliant idea, let's go inside and see what the house looks like. We went into the house next door and while we were scoping it out, we heard somebody come in and say, hello. It was the owners of the house wondering who was it that was scoping out their house. We've all done that. Now, I bet you 50% of Americans have gone into a house being built just to scope it out. Is there a law on the record that that's a sin just to go and check it out? I feel a, I feel a cousin spirit rising up inside of me today. Let me get back to the strip, the script. Ahmaud Aubrey uh, found himself uh, being killed by these men and took 74 days and the only reason they got actually got arrested is because a video of the killing came to light, came to service. We don't live in Georgia, but I pray for the family of Ahmaud Aubrey and I pray for the community there who I hope recognize that something there needs to be changed. We need more righteous people in political office who will keep justice and do righteousness at all times. Well, let me bring this to a close. One of the frustrating problems of our community is our failure to participate in the political process. Whenever we have attempted to hold political forums so that our church and community can meet the candidates, 
hear their views and values and sense their character and see what it's like, the attendance at these forums at the First Baptist Church of Glenarden has been extremely low. By the way, the political leaders and those running for office have always been pleased by the numbers that we had, but I haven't been pleased with the numbers that we've had. They've been pleased because in comparison to their other forums, the numbers are so low that when they come to First Baptist, they see a lot more people than they normally see. The problem is that we should all be engaged in participating in who we're putting in office. I'm here to tell you, we've got to change some laws. We've got to do something about it. And you've got to learn. You can't go into the voting booth and say, well, I can't vote for them because I don't know who they are. It's not that we don't make it available to you to learn who they are. When we make it known to you, you must come out so you can realize what they stand for and who they are. Go on and preach. I'm still preaching the gospel right now, whether you agree with it or not. We need to register to vote, learn about these candidates and the issues, and make your voice be heard. Let me, rec- let me close by reminding you about our forefathers. Let me remind you that they had the odds working against them but they overcame. They had laws written that restricted them. They were denied the ability to have jobs. They were redlined and not allowed to buy homes in certain areas. They were rejected from getting loans from banks. They could not go to the best schools or colleges. They were overlooked for jobs and opportunities. They refused treatments in hospitals. They were restricted by Jim Crow laws that kept them segregated and marginalized. They were denied the right to vote and they were killed by lynchings. They were thrown in jail and treated, treated like they were animals, but they overcame. They started their own schools and universities. They started their own businesses. They overcame. They could not be denied. They kept pushing and they kept going. And I'm here to tell you today, we shall overcome. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Yes, we have treasures in this earthen vessel that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. We shall overcome, and we are overcoming. And I want to say to the young people today, you shall overcome. This is your season, young people. This is your day. It's your time. By the power of the name of Christ Jesus, who died on the cross for your sins, I say to you, blessed are those who keep justice and he who does righteousness at all times. The Savior that we serve shall bring you out and make you more than conquerors. Amen and amen. You've been listening to FBCG Live with Pastor John K. Jenkins Sr. If you've been blessed by this message and would like to help us reach more people through this ministry, please click the link in the podcast description or visit our website, fbcglenarden.org slash give to donate. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you'll subscribe so that you'll never miss an episode. Be sure to tune in next week. The Beyond Conference is going virtual. 
Beyond is an annual conference hosted by the First Baptist Church of Glen Arden. Pastors, leaders, ministers, and small business owners across the country connect to learn best practices from church and business leaders. This year's theme is sharpening the vision beyond 2020. Ministry as we know it has been disrupted, yet the mission remains the same. Our goal is to empower leaders like you to think strategically in hearing, captivating, and implementing your God-given vision in order to remain relevant and sustainable now and in the years to come. You'll learn tips and tools in the area of women and men's ministry, discipleship, music and arts, church operations, Christian education, communications, community engagement, and much more. There'll also be a special session especially designed for senior pastors. You don't want to miss it. This year's conference is Saturday, June 20th. For more information and to register, visit thebeyondconference.com.